Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for thinkers, doers and creatives starts now. Flippo Boys, the mayor in the mayor's office hanging out. Currently, it's after sundown, it's the dog days of summer, and you're seeing a little bit of the inklings of fall with the sun setting a little earlier than you remember it. It's so crazy that we're almost done with 2021. I felt like it came faster than 2020. Maybe then again, 2020 was the fastest, slowest year ever. How's everyone doing? You guys are working on creative projects? I know I am. Uh, I just released my new book, Graduation Day. It's a memoir that goes into the life lessons I learned as an adult. Graduation Day is available on Amazon and paperback and in ebook versions. Make sure you check it out under Flobo Voice or F Flobo Voice. The name of the book is Graduation Day. So I got I got that off my plate. And of course, you have to keep doing more projects, more cool things, more stuff. That's what happens when you're a citizen of the city of creatives. Before I get to my guest this week, I just want to say, as always, on social media, at New Amsterdam on Instagram and at New underscore Amsterdam on Twitter, that's how you connect with the show to learn more about the episodes. Uh, we do episodes every Thursday. Um, in the main line, of course, bonus episodes pop up when they can and may. That's what makes this show so cool. Because once I meet someone who's doing big things, I stop the presses and I go, okay, you and I, bonus episode right now. And speaking of people who are doing things, my guest this week is a legend in his own right. You're talking about the director of The Forbidden Zone, one of the most prolific uh, cult films on the planet and uh, the co-founders of the Knights of the Oingo Boingo. That's the group that became Oingo Boingo, uh, the group that Danny Elfman is way more famously associated with. We're talking about Richard Elfman, his brother, one of the, I don't know what you would say, a cult following kind of person, someone that has its own fan base, someone that's been the cons and people know just by embracing how quirky they are and quirky is the best way to describe my conversation with him. And one of the things I pulled from that, my talk with him, is about understanding that you can be 125% okay with what you offer the world. And once you have the solace and knowing that what you create isn't for everyone, it's liberating. So without any further ado, here's my chat with Richard Elfman. Welcome back to New Am Sam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, Flobo Voice, the mayor in the mayor's office in a sweltering 91 degrees, as it says in my apartment here, because I don't have air conditioning, but it's not about that. It's about being with people who make things happen on their own heat maps. I want to tell you, introduce you to one of the most prolific filmmakers I had a chance of interviewing. So great. Richard Elfman, how's it going, sir? Hey, Flobo. Glad to be here. <laughs> Glad to be on the show. I appreciate you. What part of town are you? In right now, I'm in Culver City, which isn't that bad as far as the weather. But on uh, my apartment, it's like against the wind, so it, it never comes in the house at uh -huh. all. So it just bakes. <laughs> I'm on the Hollywood sign. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you got some breezes out there. <laughs> <It's at night. laughs> 
Is the Hollywood sign intimidating? Is it kind of like, oh, Hollywood? Or is it kind of like, sweet Hollywood? Three or four times in Rochester. <laughs> I have to ask. I haven't jumped off it yet. Oh, okay. That's a good sign. If you, have, if you haven't committed suicide to sign, uh, you're missing out. Uh, yeah. And uh, you've been in L.A., I guess, your entire life, I guess. I mean, that's kind of a dumb question because you are yeah. L.A. original. Bay Area and lived in Europe. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. What part of Europe? I'm curious. Well, I, I was, uh, God, I was in the Bay Area, late 60s, then in France, early 70s. Okay. Yeah. I, I visited the Bay first time this week on Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah. I went to San Francisco, saw a Giants game. It was great. Cool. Cool. Yeah, fun. yeah. Uh, that whole town is vertical. My my calves were on fire trying to walk up those hills, but no one no one warned me about that. Well, so, I'm mostly Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Third Street, by the way. Okay, all right. That's what's up, man. That's, well, we moved up to Crenshaw. <laughs> you moved to Crenshaw. <laughs> Yeah, we moved up to Crenshaw. <laughs> okay, I guess a different time then, because the Crenshaw I know. <laughs> uh, no, it, it was I, I. I had a great, very interesting youth. Oh, okay. In what way? Uh, well, first of all, to be a male redhead is to be born into a clown suit to begin mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then I was the only white guy. Right. That was state track champion and later became a middleweight boxer. So I, I actually got along quite well. Okay. Yeah. Because sport, sport brings people together. Yeah. 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 Sports bring people together. That, <laughs> I, I had no idea, man. I, I could imagine the, uh, the uh, awkward first day of math class and you walking in there, <laughs> you know, and be like, let this guy in. Wasn't, no, I, I, had a, I had a good experience. A good experience. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I'm what they call a transplant. <laughs> a knockout right cross and kill right. I actually <laughs> I got along really well it was a, a great experience <laughs> I can't tell if you're lying to me though that's, that's the thing <laughs> uh, yeah I, I had a little I basically came as an adult so I was on the east coast and, and I when I was a kid it was like Brooklyn yeah born and raised man Brooklyn let's go Mets uh, <laughs> wow yeah yeah my Jewish ancestors came from Brooklyn. We still have family there. And if we're very quiet, we can hear them talking right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's late. Go upstairs. It's all shouting on the rooftops. <laughs> oh, Brooklyn's got so much heart. So much oh, yeah. heart. No, no. I, I'm from a time where it meant something. Now, not so much. It's all gentrified. But when I was a kid, it, it was like, you know, Brooklyn was your third parent, right? Your, your mom taught you some things, your dad taught you some things. Brooklyn taught you to never leave things unattended, right? That's pretty much the, the Brooklyn I grew up in. Uh, so, so my California experience is very much as an adult. I got here. I was told what was, what was Hollywood, what wasn't, how to make it, how to be successful uh, from other people. I felt like my path was crooked. Uh, but it seems that you figured it out, kind of, sort of, agree, disagree? Yeah, yeah. Although the funny thing is where I grew up, I might as well have been a thousand miles from Hollywood, mm -hmm. even though it was across town. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it wasn't until I was older, you know, but my whole thing with the film business 
theater, music, everything, it has been through the side door. Often that I have to cut open myself. What does that mean? Like, what what is your opinion of the side door? Like, just showing up and starting a, starting a, a stage run in an empty black box theater, say we're doing this now. Like, what what is that? Well, I, I had a, a musical theatrical troupe with my brother Danny Elfman called the Mystic Knights, the Oingo Boingo, mm -hmm. but it didn't fit into any niche. And then it became the band Oingo Boingo, popular on both coasts, but it never hit the middle. They're actually more popular now than they were then. And then uh, I took my stage show of the Mystic Nights and, and made Forbidden Zone. Mm -hmm. You know, but again, it was uh, mostly my own money, loans, and whatever crazy stuff I had to do to, to get it yeah. shot and feed the crew. Yeah, to make sure people are fed. I've been on cruise when they haven't fed us. It's the or yeah, they give us the, the big tray of spaghetti. They're like, oh, come on. Um. <laughs> I, I'm a grill master and I oh. bar for my cast and crew at the end of every week. Wow. Big size of lamb, whole salmons, cases of whiskey, cigars. Uh, and now at least I can Uber them home. <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, uh, I, I've got a production coming up, by the way. You're welcome to visit and come to our weekly barbecue. Visit? How about you just hire me? <laughs> it's in my contract. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, do you have a can you do a Haitian accent? I, I can. I am Caribbean, but I cannot do a Haitian accent. My parents are Anglophone, so, so I guess I'm out. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we talked about, we dabbled a bit about Forbidden Zone, uh, about that movie and, and how it was created a little bit. Um, it's pretty much well documented. It, it cost a lot to make that film, but you still did it anyway. There had to have been a time where you were like, this is costing me a lot more than I thought I was going to, but you decided to complete it. Like, what caused you to push on? Well, I I, I lost my house doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, but I had another one a year later. <laughs> I paid the price. Uh, yeah. it, uh, we didn't clear all the music rights, and it, it went out of uh, circulation for 15 years, yeah. 16 years. And most people who saw it just saw bootlegs. And it was only like 10, 12 years ago we cleared things up, cleared the rights up and, and re-released it. And, and then it was only just a few months ago that I was able to fix some things that really bugged me in it. That sure. I was stuck. Uh, you know, so the new Forbidden Zone director's cut is coming out soon. So those 10 years when the movie is pretty much in obscurity and, and you had the wake of the damage of this film, but nothing to show for it. Like psychologically, how was that? Be like, no, I made a movie. Where is it? Well, you can't see it because like, what was that going through your mind and your family's mind? I mean, I did, I did a couple other films and some ABC comedy horror and a lot of theater. And I'm a musician, I'm a percussionist. So I'm in a band, I'm an Afro-Latin percussionist. That was my first thing. It'll probably be my last thing. But uh, I, I remember going online like 10, 12 years ago. And then I found out that I had hundreds and thousands of fans all around the world from this yeah. film thought it disappeared. So, so that was, I mean, it didn't make me rich, but it was a nice surprise in terms yeah. of an artistic validation. The <laughs> first time I saw a random scene, which I have come to learn was Forbidden Zone, was I was 23 years old. I was just out of college and I went bowling at one of those cosmic bowling midnight lanes and they played the, the movie on a wall. 
And it's really a movie you can't really describe to anybody. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> you know? And I thought it was a fever dream for the longest time. Until I had I got some friend, I think a mutual friend of mine, uh, Captain Jack Hartless, who I met at a Rocky Horror Picture Show show. He was Dr. Frankenfutter. Uh, told me about the movie again. And I saw it. I was like, oh, my goodness. This is pretty, pretty dope. I, when we make stuff, when we create things, uh, did, was was your original reaction from the audience what you're expecting, or were they kind of like, ah, I'm not really feeling this, or what was the intent here? What was the audiences at first? Well, it was uh, the the audiences loved it. Critics attacked it. It wasn't politically correct. I had lost control before I really got to finish it. So in a sense, I only finished it three months ago. Mm. Which is that they say films are abandoned, they aren't finished because you can always change something, right? Right, At the time I had done my first test screening, I had lost my house, lost control of the film. There were things I wanted to change and I couldn't, but it still worked for audiences. And then lately, these last 10 years, like Rocky Board Troops have been doing it on Friday nights, um, you know, and I get a lot of validation, and I, I'm planning for Bin Zone 2, although I have another film called Bloody Bridget. Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm starting in a month. And I just did a film called Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks. My brother Danny Elfman and our friend Ego Plum did an amazing, we're talking 76 minutes of music in an 86-minute film. Right. Uh, that's coming out in a few months. A science fiction uh, fantasy, it, it's a very poignant story of an out-of-work actor that wakes up with the key to the universe stuck up his ass. <laughs> I mean, of course, you know. Walk me through the the restoration of of, of Forbidden Zone. Like a lot of time has passed. I don't know a lesser director would have walked away and abandoned it. You decided to go for it, but day in and day out, dealing with like the old footage. Like, what was that process like? Well, it was uh, it was like some crusty old producer found me like ten or eleven years ago. And he helped clear up the music rights and then it could be released. And then uh, a company offered to colorize it. Uh, by the way, when I originally shot it in black and white, the intention was to take all the underworld scenes, send it to China and have it hand tinted in this 1920s process. Uh, but, but how could they say we went broke in the slow boat, never made it to China? Right. Uh, uh, so it was colorized, but under my direction, and that's actually the way I preferred it most with the original vision. And, and now that I've made the little tweaks, finally, <laughs> 40 years later, yeah. uh, finally feel good about the film, the director's cut that's coming out soon. There were a few things that I just wanted to change. I changed them. Now it's good. Fantastic. I mean, not many people get the chance to do that. I, I went to film school. That's what I actually, what got me to California is that I applied to film school with the Chapman uh, in Orange County for, for a couple of years. And there's plenty of films that I made that I, I just never have the chance to fix or finish because they had to be done. Over whiskey for a while. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? We have to see them over whiskey. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. You're to sit there and go through them and go, oh, what were you thinking? There's like a crazy thing. Okay. So, uh, there's this cannabis company called Moxie. They, they, they distribute high-end cannabis. Yeah. Really my thing, but I'm open to everything. So they've been sponsoring a drive-in double bill of Forbidden Zone Director's Cut and my new film, Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks, where they yeah. provide the product at the screenings. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're doing one in L.A. next month. I'll let you know. Oh, please let me know. if, if I got... My band, Mambo Diabolico, is going to play there. 
I saw the clip that you had with uh, Artist Asia that that's going to be part of the film. I'm so, I'm so excited, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> See, the thing about fun is, and, and, and maybe you can help me out with this, because I feel like for creators, there's a lot of work to be had and a lot of downtime to be had. But I feel like we have fun differently than other people. Is that a, is that a true statement or am I just off my rocker? I don't know. I'm a man that's had too much fun this lifetime. Now I'm <laughs> yeah. What What do you do for fun? Uh, well, I, I mean, along with family, I, I've got like sons and grandsons and a, a beautiful young daughter. Uh, I like to cook and entertain for friends, and I like to put on live shows. Yeah, and that's how I have fun. And then try all the whiskeys you can, right? That's that's the idea. And, and I, I, I've, I've written food and wine for years. So I, right. I like wines without spending a fortune, but to find like great wines. And then I I, I, I grill fish, I grow meat, I grow wild game. Uh, I make the best steak in the world over a hot musky fire. Wow, high praise. Actually, I'm going to jump ahead to one of my questions I had in my notes here, because you just said this. Um, I like red wines. Right, so I got a question for you. What's the quickest way to impress somebody with a little bit of wine knowledge? Not a lot, because I'm totally a newbie, but I want to impress somebody with a little bit of wine knowledge at a party. How do I go about doing that? I'll send you some stuff to buy. <laughs> okay. You know, I, when I lived in France, um, I'll tell you, I, I mean, I was married into an old blue blood family. Uh, wine connoisseurs kind of wasted on me, you know, as a Jew from Crenshaw. Right. <laughs> what do I know? So, <laughs> yeah. Coming back here, I had a taste, but I didn't have a budget. So I mm. love to find like deals of like super, mostly people pay for the cachet, not what's in the bottle. So I like right. great wines that don't cost a fortune, but I'll, I'll send you a little list. It'll not just impress people, but they're great wines. Would you sell out and have your own brand? Uh, I'll let someone else do that. It takes, <laughs> I mean, it takes a couple centuries to do it right. I'm, I'm, partially, you know. I'm fair enough. I've just I gotta look at the brands, baby. You know how it is. Uh, yeah. uh, so, what what can we talk about Forbidden Zone 2? Is it a sequel? Is it in this universe? Is it a prequel? What What is it, and how can I look forward to it the most? It's a, well, I'll, I'll send you a clip. Uh, we've done a lot of prep for it. Uh, Danny's written some great music, and it's, uh, you know, we've got a whole underworld thing, but it's uh, this family in the Dust Bowl, and the father's like a drunken carnival geek, and then their shack blows over, so they take an old jalopy and drive to Crenshaw, it looks like Harlem 1910, Right. that house, which is connected to the Forbidden Zone, where there's a king and a queen and a princess, but they're different than before. And I've got all the music picked out. I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, I've got like amazing, I mean, the key to Forbidden Zone. Okay, this is my Richard Elfman thing about music. Tell me. There's what I call serviceable music that services the production. But we're talking Chicago. Loved the stage play, loved the film. But other than like that catchy, all that jazz lyric, by the time you get to your car, you can't remember anything. It's True. just generic. Can't remember anything. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof, you remember. West Side Story, you remember. Three Penny Opera, you remember. That's memorable. So Forbidden Zone had memorable music from um, Cap Calloway, Josephine Baker, Miguelito Valdez, 
and Danny Elfman. Mm -hmm. uh, but you remember the music for the rest of your life. Uh, so I didn't have the budget of Chicago, which I loved, but I had fucking better music. Right. Uh, and, and Forbidden Zone 2 has got the same thing, but a little bigger budget with green screen and the new cameras. I can do much more. But it's got it's got memorable music. It's got memorable music, not serviceable music. You take it for life. So what came first, the music story or plot? Uh, both music inspires me. Okay. I, I'm a musical. I was a musician first and a musician last. Right. Yeah. And I'm lucky that my fucking little brother's Mozart. <laughs> He's up there, man. I mean, Spider Pig was a favorite. <laughs> was a good break. Uh, right. Buddy Ego Plum, who leads my band and works with Danny, also a top composer in Hollywood. The, the two of them work together on my scores. How's the relationship? Is it professional? Are you still bro bros? Is it kind of like a call you when I need you? Like, what's the what's the vibe? See each other every week. I cook. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh no, he's uh, we're, we're very close. Yeah, my, my, my brother and I, I, don't, I see him like once every three months. <laughs> you know? Back east? He's back east. We do the FaceTime thing. You know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm blessed with a good family. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of people got to see the family, the Comic-Con circuit. Uh, you see out there before the pandemic, obviously. Then the days of yore before COVID-19. Were you a fan of the Comic-Con thing? Is it kind of too much sometimes? <laughs> early days and then it got so big and so commercial yeah and uh you know i'll go there but it's kind of work right everything is just so packed it's impossible to get a room it's impossible to park uh I, I don't have the fun that i had in the early days yeah yeah so when you interact with fans it's like what meet and greets then or special yeah, screenings yeah. I'll, I'll sit in a little chair in the, the b section <laughs> 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 What's the craziest thing a fan has ever done for you? But besides, like I don't know, something weird. That's something I can't do. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was the second weirdest thing. <laughs> What's the third? What's the craziest you could say on air? Uh, I, I I totally got it. Happily married, Matt Lobo. Oh, okay. Say no more, fam. <laughs> Zip. I live in the present, not the past. <laughs> I'm gonna get canceled. Um, do you consider yourself a success, my friend? Uh, I feel blessed. I, I mean, I've taken my share of knocks, lost my house. Uh, oh, okay, two art-related felonies, charged, not convicted. Uh, you know, feeding the crew. One time, I, you know, I'm a writer. Uh, I, I once. Uh, had a fight with a publisher. I printed the thing much more salty and then stole 50,000 magazines out of a warehouse and had my article inserted and then taken to newsstands. That's funny, actually. Press documented with the understanding they wouldn't print it till the charges would drop. But, you know, I've, I've had too much fun. That yeah. that only grand theft. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would have said not guilty, personally. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Had too much fun. I mean, right yeah. now, right now, I'm walking the straight and narrow, kind of making up for lost time because I got kind of dozen films I want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't need the extra aggravation. 
So what's left? Do you have a list of things you want to do or just kind of like living for the moment, man? Uh, I've got a dozen films that I intend to do. I've got plays. I want to play with my band and I want to cook and grill for my friends. Yeah. And, and I, I put on shows often at dinners. Yeah. Wait, what kind of shows? I'll send you a tape. You won't believe it. <laughs> I'm going to get so much content and wine. I'm so happy about this. Yeah, the yeah. post interviews will be great. <laughs> Uh, but I, I I love to cook and entertain. Yeah. What's the thing? What's the signature dish? Like, the, is it the steaks? Is it like a? Did you did you casseroles? Like, what's the deal? Well, my my last dinner was was just a very simple thing. Is I marinated uh, whole branzinos in uh, cilantro and chili, and then mm. I them and served them with a, an excellent white Rioja. And then I, I get a rack of wild boar from my buddy Chris Hughes in Texas, and they harvest it in the field by snipers, so it never sees it coming. It like, doesn't go to Auschwitz. I, I grill the, the wild boar, and my, my wife, Anastasia, who's a vegetarian, which is a good sport, uh, makes caramelized apples, and that's very good, and I serve that with a Rioja wine. Oh, wow. That's, that, that, that's a dinner. It happens weekly? Uh, yeah, yeah. My goodness. Forget a diet, man. I'm just going to go to your house every Friday or Saturday. Like, hey! <laughs> Cut down on red meat. I'm keeping it now more to like once a week. Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure, you know, sure. And I, 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 I get meat that's been like, the animal's been raised humanely. You know, or right. been shot in the field. He never saw it coming. Right, right. Just hanging out and just, bam. yeah. Thanos snapped. Uh, does it? I don't know. Does it matter to you when people like your content? Do you care about critics' reviews? For example, I'm looking at Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks. It's certified fresh, 100% at Rotten Tomatoes. Is that kind of like a great or kind of like a ah, I just make things for my fans? Like, what's your feeling? No, well, my work isn't for everybody. Uh -huh. I, I, it, it never will be. But for the people that get it. That's my audience, and uh, it, it's been well received, and it's coming out in a few months. Yeah, but but I, I'll come to the screening. I'll let you know my band is going to play. I, I sometimes I I grill after screenings, but I'm not sure if I will with this one with this COVID thing happening. Yeah, it kind of changed the game. Uh, we we're talking about this before we went live. Uh, a lot of things that I've done. I mean, everything I do is live entertainment. Even, even my 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 get cash quick job. I work as a PA at the Belasco here downtown. Everything shut down, so I was sitting on my ass for about a year. <laughs> so yeah, I was wanting this to be over with personally. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a comedian, especially God with the, the clubs and it's 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 nuts. Yeah, I mean, clubs are designed to be packed, right? Designed to have nice acoustics. So got to be close to a bunch of people. You got, I mean, you're a, a, a comedian. You know how that works. Yeah, you know, yeah. Packed together. And you, right. you're making that away right now. And and there's been lots of virtual shows. I did one to try it. It wasn't for me. You I've got, done the... You got a whole rhythm with your laughter uh, that you create. So there, there's that. And I'm not I'm not denying that. Like, But there's one thing between bombing in front of real people and then killing but seeing a whole screen of cameras off and microphones muted. Like, you don't even know if you're killing. You're just, 
Like, hello, anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the same. Not the same. Not, not the same at all. But uh, what what about you? Have you uh, navigated the pandemic virtually? How's that worked out for you? Well, I I've been pretty locked. I I was pretty locked in. I mean, now I'm double vaxxed. You know, we go out with masks a bit. But I've got a lovely wife, a lovely daughter, and then my family. You, you know, and then friends over on the weekend. Just a couple, not not anything big. Yeah. So I, I've had a pretty rich life this last year. I mean, the only thing is I would have started shooting my new film, Bloody Bridget, earlier, but now it's we're holding off another few months before we start shooting. And that one is horror, I assume. Yeah, that's um, it, it's it's a like a voodoo vampire film. Uh, in a nutshell, like like if if you look at, it's going to be very Afro percussion driven. But there's um, in Haiti, the is a deity, Baron Samadai. Mm -hmm. Top hat, skull makeup, cigar, rum. He's like the deity of God and death. And his wife is a red haired Irish woman named Brigitte, St. Bridget, a Celtic goddess from Ireland with red oh, hair. Yeah. yeah. And just like uh, the Rastafarians kind of appropriated Haile Selassie from Ethiopia and deified him. In Haiti, they deified St. Bridget as Baron Samadai's wife. So anyway, his wife disappears, and he mistakes her for a red-haired burlesque dancer in Van Nuys. Oh, oh man, what a step down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's horribly oppressed. Yeah. And so when he's got her in the underworld, he turns her into a Valentine vampire. And she says, what's that? Well, you shall see. She oh. doesn't need to just suck blood that only whets her appetite. She has to eat the beating hearts of her victims. So yeah, we're gonna have some blood in this one. So is it a process like the blood comes out then the heart, or the heart has to be first? Is that too much? Is that too much of a spoiler? Takes the heart. And we've got like like one lawyer is still negotiating while his heart's out. Wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on brand. I, okay, so here's a question that may open up a whole Pandora's box of things. Yeah. How do you come up with an idea like that? <laughs> what? Uh, a case of this. <laughs> Whiskey, nice. Yeah. <laughs> if I asked you how do you come up with your jokes and your comedy, it just comes. It just it it, does. Where does it come from? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it comes from the comes from the ether. Things that piss me off or things that I'm annoyed by, and then there you go. That's what that's what it comes off it. Uh, well, I, I gotta ask a cliche question, but it may be helpful. Someone's watching or listening right now, and they're thinking, "Man, I want to be able to put my entire house up to do a movie." Uh, any bit of advice? Any bit of uh, kind of thing? Pro tips you could probably share. Uh, are you ready to lose everything for your art? Are you ready to go to jail for your art? That helps. And I don't know if that's good advice or bad advice, Flobo. It's deep <laughs> advice. <laughs> uh, I'm like, wow. Good or bad advice. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's funny because like uh, I'm also a wedding DJ. That's another job that got stopped in the pandemic. And uh, we have this thing called the, um, the Around the World Game. And basically, you pick a country, 
that has good infrastructure, but it's way different than where you are around the world. So we'll say Italy or the Philippines. And, and someone would say, hey, if someone gave you all the money you want and you have to DJ in Italy for a living, would you do it? And people will go, yeah. Or the Philippines, would you do it? Okay, yeah. Then that's something you want to do. But if you're hemming and hawing like, well, I like my family here, then you don't really like the art. You like the, the lifestyle it provides. So I get it. Like you have to understand that, look, you have to sacrifice. You have to be able to put some effort in for your art. So I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, first of all, I, I'm blessed. I've still got a roof over my head. I've got a lovely wife, Anastasia, uh, who's playing Bloody Bridget, by the way. Oh, nice. She did five parts in Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks. Uh, you won't recognize her. Uh, but we're talking, I mean, along with being a ballet dancer and burlesque artist of Sirius Stella Adler. Uh, you know, and then my, my son, Bodie Elfman, was starred in Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks. Uh, his wife, my daughter-in-law, Jenna Elfman, who's Dharma, Dharma and Greg, right now yeah. she's in The Walking Dead. But Bodhi isn't as famous, but if you look at his IMDb, he's got like 120 credits. Uh, you know, radical. Uh, right. You know, so I've been blessed with like skilled family members, you know, that my brother, of course. Uh, <laughs> hey, Danny. And, and it's keep rolling on. I just want to thank you so much for Elfman being on the show, New Amsterdam Maria, the podcast for creatives. Can't wait to see so many different movies coming down the pipe, and I do want to see a heart being beat it out of someone's chest. That'd be kind of fun. We'll see you at dinner, Flobo. Yeah, we should make it happen. I like my state. I'm a prime rib guy. I can tell it for a porterhouse. <laughs> we'll make it happen. I like your steak. I like it medium. I like it medium. Medium rare, medium. Okay, okay, that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I want I want to come when it's released, uh, Forbidden Zone 2 or I believe Bridget, I want you to come back. I want to hear more about it. I want to see what the next steps are. You've got it. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours.